it's good to be home. Um, some of you might know me, some of you might not. Um, I, I want to, before we get into the text and get a little bit farther, I want to go back in time. Aaron did a great introduction, but you didn't know that I wasn't just here when I was at seminary. I want to take you back to 2006. Yeah, some of you remember 2006, Stephen. So I was a freshman at Hope College and had open position for the riot group, and I interviewed. I had hair. My mother said I would never get a job. I had long, kind of curly hair that only an 18-year-old would think you could do, and the kind of beard, uh, you can't really call it a beard, but it was the, I was proud of it at 18, and it was, my mom said, you'll never get a job. And I just remember sitting with Chuck Brower doing the interview, and I was like, there's no way they're going to give this to me. I look terrible. North Holland looked through whatever my exterior was, my hair, my dress, and said, you know, we want this guy to come. And I got to work with Pam for four years with the riot group. I joined the North Holland Reformed Church, joined the RCA because of this congregation. Because this is a place that looked past my hair, <laughs> past my appearance, and loved me. They showed me what it meant to be part of the Reformed Church theologically, but also in, in our heart for one another. And I always feel like I'm coming home when I'm here. I was married in this church in 2012, ordained in this church in 2013, and I realized this morning I haven't been back nine years since I've been with all of you. So that's why some of you may not know my face. But I was eager when Chuck called earlier and said, we're getting the band back together because Steve is on sabbatical. It's been good to see from afar all that God has done in this church and all the wonderful things you have in this excellent pastor. And, and I call him Steve because I'm the older of the two of us, so I had seniority. So back in the day, I was Stephen and he was Steve. So if I say it wrong, forgive me. But it's just good to be back among you, good to be home. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Colossians 2, verses 6 to 15. Colossians 2, 6 to 15. Colossians is in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 2, 6 to 15. And just so you know, since this is something I did with my own congregation, we'll be reciting from the NRSV, so if it's different than what you have, don't get worried. It's just a different translation. But before we hear God's word, please take a moment to pray with me. Father, please dig out our ears to hear your word. Soften our hearts to receive it in faith. And strengthen our feet to walk in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen closely and listen well. For these are the very words of God. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit, 
according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him you also were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh through the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead, in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses. He erasing the oh man, here we go. Erasing the record that stood against us with his legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them triumphing over them in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Brothers and sisters, if you have received Jesus, then continue in Jesus. I'm at North Holland, and I don't assume that everyone who walks through the door here or sitting in the sanctuary or will watch online later has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps you grew up in the church and you heard a lot about Jesus, but you don't know him. Or perhaps you're hearing about this Christianity thing for the first time, and if that's you this morning, I want to say that I'm glad you are here and this message is for you. In this passage, we are going to hear the call for those who have received Jesus to continue in Jesus. But in the midst of this, we're going to hear the benefits and the beauty of life in Jesus. So if you know Jesus, hear this as an invitation to continue in him. But if you do not know Jesus, then hear these words as an invitation to come to him. Brothers and sisters, if we have received Jesus, then continue in Jesus. And if we are in him, we will be with him all the way to the end. If we are in him. Five times in this passage, Paul talks about being in Jesus, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. We're called to be in Christ. To be united with him by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Christian faith is about more than making sure you have all your doctrines and beliefs correct and can check all the boxes, though it's not less than that. The Christian faith is about more than making sure you know where you will go when you die, though it is not less than that. Ultimately, when we come to the Christian faith, we receive a person, Jesus Christ, and we are received by a person. Jesus Christ. The joy, the reality, the beauty of the Christian faith is that we get to be in Jesus. We get to know him and be known by him, to love him and be loved by him, to be in him and have him in us. 
When the Bible has analogies for this relationship, it gives the deepest relationships that we have on this earth. It speaks of us as being adopted into a family. It thinks of us as children who, as Pam talked about, are kind of estranged from God, cut off, and are now brought in, adopted into the family. Or it speaks of our relationship between a husband and a wife, loving, sacrificial, intimate. These Deep relationships are but a shadow pointing to the reality of what it is to be united, to be in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you have received Jesus, then continue in Jesus. And if we are in him, we will be with him all the way to the end. And we're going to look at each of those phrases, in him, with him, and all the way to the end. So what does it mean to be in Jesus? Verse, verse 6 says, continue to live your lives in him. But it goes on to say, rooted and built up in him. If we're to remain in Jesus, then we must be rooted in him and built up in him. Rooted in Jesus. Roots give life. A couple years ago, we planted a pear tree in our backyard, and water tends to collect there, so we wanted to plant something that would suck up quite a bit of the water, deal with our drainage issues, but also would hopefully bear more than just leaves. And so we went to the local plant nursery and picked out a pear tree. But it wasn't just any pear tree. It was one of the special ones that had five different kinds of pears on the tree. Now, I don't know how all the details work because I know very little about agriculture, but they said that they grafted these in. So they cut off branches from an existing pear tree of a different variety, cut a notch in my tree and stuck it in there and wrapped it in and it grew. It's called grafting these branches. They draw their nutrients. They draw their life from the trunk and roots of the pear tree. And again, I don't know much about fruit agriculture, but I imagine that if you chop the branch off and you left it on the ground, it's going to die. That if you leave it on the ground away from the trunk, away from the roots that it's drawn from, it's not going to live very long. If they're cut off from the roots, then it cannot live. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. We're called to be rooted in Jesus. Just as the branches of my pear tree draw their life from the root, so we are called to find our life, to be nourished and fed in Jesus. But like those branches that were grafted into my pear tree, we first need to be cut off before we can be grafted in. Paul talks about it in verse 11. He says, in him you were also circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. In Israel, circumcision was a literal physical cutting off of the skin of the flesh so that you could be marked as a child belonging to God's people. Even infants had to be cut off in order to be brought in to God's people. But Paul tells us that when we, who are Gentiles, not Israelites, are brought into God's people, we don't need a physical circumcision, but a spiritual one. What he's talking about is baptism. 
which whether for covenant children or adult converts, serves as a spiritual circumcision, a marker of membership in God's people. And whether it was circumcision or baptism, the point is the same. To be rooted in God, we must first be cut off from all those other places where we find our life, our hope, or our future. Paul calls it a putting off the body of the flesh. There are ways of this world, even patterns and desires that seem natural to our flesh, that we must leave behind for the sake of union with Jesus. To be rooted in Jesus means first being uprooted and cut off from those places we sought to find our life, we sought to find our peace, we sought to find our purpose and our salvation, and to leave them behind and to find life and hope and salvation in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Roots give life. And to be rooted in Jesus is to find life in him and in him alone. Roots also give stability. Now, we saw the, just the storm last night that it pulled up some trees from the roots. It may even knocked over some corn. But a couple years, just over a year ago, I was walking with my father-in-law down the laneway at their farm. And he was commenting on the weather, and he said it was good they hadn't had too much rain too early in the year. And I'm a city boy, so I was a little confused. I said, don't farmers always want more rain? And he said, well, you see, if we have too much rain too early, what happens is the roots don't go very deep. It just stays on the surface, and then later when it gets dry, the plants wither. Or later when it gets really windy, they blow over. So he said, actually, it's better early on to have a little bit of dry heat because it sends the roots deep. Because the plants with the deep roots will be able to remain standing when the winds come. The plants with the deep roots are going to be able to draw nutrients and stay healthier when it becomes dry. And when we have deep roots in Jesus, then the storms of life, the tumultuous winds of change in the culture or church and society will not cause us to wither or topple. When we're rooted in Jesus, Paul tells us in verses 8 and 9, we won't need to be captive to all the philosophies and all of the changing things in the culture, but can be captivated by the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. In verse 9, we hear about the fullness of God that dwells bodily in Jesus, and that we have that fullness when we are in Jesus. And because of that, because of who Jesus is, we don't need to be captivated and captive to the things of this world can be captivated by Jesus. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. When we are in Jesus, not only will we have roots, drawing life and stability from Jesus, but we will be built up in him. He will be the foundation upon which our faith is built. Our life, our hope, our faith can grow and develop on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. So if you have received Jesus, continue in Jesus. And if we are in him, we will be with him all the way to the end. If we are in him, we will be with him. We looked at what it means to be in Jesus, to be rooted in him, but what does it look like to be with him? 
Look with me at verses 12 and 13. It says, when you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses. If we are in Jesus, we will be with Jesus, and that means that our story will be joined with his story. So what is Jesus' story? What's the gospel that the church proclaims? We'll say it a little bit later when we come to the table that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is Jesus' story. Life, death, resurrection, and ascension. But what's our story? It's a gift that Pam already told it to the kids this morning. We started with life with God. God created all things good, including our first parents as the crown of creation, made in God's image and given authority over the whole creation under God. But they rebelled against God. They chose to rule themselves and try to be like God, and they cast us and all creation into a tailspin, cutting us off from right relationship with God. That's our story. But what happens when we receive Jesus? Jesus' story becomes our story. The we are in God and then we are apart from God and this is the end. That story gets brought into the Jesus story. In baptism, we are buried with Jesus and also raised with him. In some church traditions, this is visualized by baptism itself. You get dunked. You get buried in the water and then they pull you out. You get resurrected from the waters of baptism as a visual of what it means that you were buried in baptism. The most important death of your life, you've already died when you've been buried in baptism. And because Jesus has already died for our sins, we were buried with him, and now we are raised with him, and suddenly we are in a new story. It's not life and then death, but life, death, and resurrection, and eternal life at the right hand, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Our story gets joined to his story, and if we are in him, then we will be with him, and we get to join in that story, buried and raised. And the work, the result, the fruit of Jesus' life will be seen in ours as well. Because if we're in him, we will be with him all the way to the end. Verses 13 to 15. It says, And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses. Erasing the record that stood against us with his legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. In Jesus, all our trespasses are forgiven. Every wrong you or I have ever done is forgiven. Not, you know, it's fine, don't worry about it. But secretly, I'm holding on to it for later when you screw up and then I can hold it against you. No, 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 forgiven. Those times we didn't know any better and walked the wrong way or, or dishonored God or harmed our neighbors, forgiven. 
those times we certainly knew better and did it anyway. Forgiven. Those sins we have forgotten and the ones that keep us up at night. Forgiven. In Jesus, when we receive him, all our trespasses are forgiven. If you ever know what it's like to need forgiveness, then you know how good this news is, just what it means. And Paul tells us that in Jesus, the record of all our wrongs is erased. For some of us, we can be real, it's hard to forgive. We struggle because we hold our, our hurts or hold our grudges. And some of us will say, well, I can, I can forgive, but I don't know if I can forget. We may not actively hold it against people anymore, but it's still there. It's still on record in our heads, what you did to me. But one of the beauties of the gospel is that God erases the record of our wrongs. He wipes it away. He's not holding on to it for later to bring it up when it's convenient to make a point or to twist in the knife. No, it's gone. It's erased. However long or short you think the list of your sins is, and it's longer than we probably think, in Jesus the record is erased. And in Jesus the charges against us are nailed to the cross. In ancient times, it was customary for the charges against someone who was being crucified to be put on the cross with them, nailed above them. That's why it said Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. That's why the Romans thought they were crucifying him because he claimed to be king. But they put the charges and nailed it to the cross above Jesus as he was crucified. But what Paul is saying is whatever the Romans put up there, the record of our wrongs, you imagine all that we've ever done, all our sins was on a piece of paper. It's nailed to that cross, and that's why Jesus died. It was for that record, for those sins that they would be erased. He went to the cross. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He died in our place, so that the record against us is erased, and all our sins forgiven. So if you have received Jesus, then continue in Jesus. And then we receive that forgiveness. Be rooted in him, friend. Draw your life from Jesus. Be cut off from all those places you might otherwise seek peace and happiness and salvation and be rooted in him. Have the deep roots that provide the stability and strength for when the winds blow or the heat of suffering comes. Be built up in him. Let your life grow on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And let your story be joined to his. Those who have been baptized have already died and risen with him. Know that in Jesus all your sins are forgiven. And you taste the coming victory of God. And if you've received Jesus, continue in Jesus. If you've not received Jesus, come to him. We have the privilege this morning of coming to the table. 
when we think about what it means to be rooted in Jesus, to be in him, to, to grow in him, to grow deep roots of life in union with Jesus, God has already given us his table. He's invited us to come and taste and drink and be nourished in Jesus. For when we come, we come to a feast of remembrance. That we remember that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he poured out the cup and the very next day his body was broken and his blood was poured out for us and for our salvation. We come and we remember life in Jesus and what he has done for us. We also come to have communion with this same Jesus. That this is the Lord's table. That he invites us to come and feast and be nourished by him. To grow in him when we come and feast at the supper. We also come in hope. For today, we are gathered as the people of God. But one day, all the saints from all the ages will be gathered around one table. And the Lord Jesus Christ will sit at the head and we will feast with him. And today we get a taste of that day when we come to the table. For it is the gifts of God that we receive here today of remembrance, communion, and of hope.